Anime is a vast and varied medium, and if you're not already familiar, it can be daunting to find something you might be interested in watching. This is a podcast where three average anime enjoyers introduce their uninitiated co-host to their favorite anime touchstones, so he can join them deep in the weeds. This week, we watched Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is a Japanese anime television series adapted from the original Full Metal Alchemist manga series by Hiromo Arakawa. The series was conceived in order to create a faithful adaptation that directly follows the entire storyline of the original manga. After 2003's Full Metal Alchemist anime series strayed away from it to tell its own story, after running out of published manga material to adapt. During production of the 2003 series, Arakawa requested an original ending for the anime that differed from the manga, which was still ongoing at the time. This led to the series deviating into an entirely original storyline direction halfway through its run. The first half of the anime's plot adapts the first seven volumes of the manga, of 27 total volumes. Production for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood began in 2008. The 64-episode series was first licensed in North America by Funimation and was broadcast English-dubbed on Adult Swim starting in February 2010. The brothers Edward and Alphonse Elric searched for the Philosopher's Stone, hoping to restore their bodies, which were lost when they attempted to use their alchemy skills to resurrect their deceased mother. Edward, who lost only limbs, joins the state military, which gives him the freedom to continue the search as he tries to restore his brother, whose soul is tethered to earth by a suit of armor. However, Edward and Alphonse are not the only ones seeking the powerful stone. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood earned acclaim from critics and audiences and is considered one of the best anime series of all time. Reviewers noted its faithfulness to the manga and its introduction of characters and plot details that were not present in the 2003 anime. The climactic episodes were also lauded for both its action scenes and moral messages. And before we get into it, I am going to mention that this series is one that Vic Mignogna was uh, voicing the lead for. And if you, like me, uh, were in like high school-ish when this came out, this whole era had like him and a bunch of voice actors that appeared in a bunch of anime. Um, but then uh, he got canceled because there were a lot of sexual harassment claims. And there was a whole legal thing about that that happened and like just finished last year, I think. Um, but I'm mentioning that now. And now we're not going to talk about it anymore. That being said. <laughs> yeah, uh, this was Full Metal Alchemist and arguably Fulmanalakas Brotherhood as well, are synonymous because of Toonami and Adult Swim with the early double odds, essentially. It's right up there with Outlaw Star, Bebop, Gundam Wing, Ava for variable arguments, because I'll be honest, I don't remember Ava ever being mentioned once at that age, um, or in that era, but that's fine. This is one of those, everyone in the anime community has heard of it to some extent, if not seen it, rewatched it, and has very strong opinions on which version is better. 
and I have some thoughts on that for later. But this is one of those, I think we all kind of agreed in some way should be on the list. I think Joe was the one that suggested this, yeah. though, in outright. Yeah, this one was really big when I was in high school. Um, and it was one of, like, my first touchstones. Um, along with, like, I'm trying to remember what else was big at the time. I think Naruto and Bleach were the main other ones that were big. It was that and, and Full Metal Alchemist. Um, and I remember especially because, um, the manga was influential on a lot of my friends' art styles. Like, it was one of the, the artists that they would try to emulate in their own stuff. I'm guilty because I conflate this with the early aughts when it was really the the original anime, Full Metal Alchemist, that was popular then. And I missed a, even knowing about Brotherhood because there was a that time of my life in my early 20s to my mid to late 20s where I just kind of took time away from anime. So I missed that Brotherhood existed. So when I found out this was a thing, I really thought I just missed something. And I totally gaslight my, gaslit myself into believing the original anime was something in my head. And I was getting confused with something else entirely. <laughs> and this was the whole show overall. I just always uh, got confused by how this was supposed to be a sequel series to Full Metal Panic. <laughs> you know, it's because of this I know Full Metal Panic because, you know, those Google searches with those yeah. two words you can turn up a lot of results. I have to um, say between the two, I like this one better because I haven't seen either. <laughs> yeah, um... I definitely latched onto this series hard because I really like um like m stories with magical systems but that are like weirdly like mathematical and like formulaic like it's really sciencey in the execution of it so I I fell really hard into this one. <laughs> I won't lie this this caught me for very similar reasons but as I watched it Brotherhood, that is, for the very first time, a la 2014, 2015, I remember really being drawn back in at the time with the message of, you know, at first it seems like, ah, the way it's portrayed, ah, religion wrong, science right. Then as you go on, it's like, mm, maybe extremist views not so good. <laughs> And I appreciated the nuance in that series for it. It's like, ah, because I t tend to recall, and I need to go back, I guess, and watch the original FMA. It seemed more of just, yes, religion, bad, science, fine, except for the few people that make magic equivalent of weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, this series has a lot of big themes. You also, you have disabled protagonists also, which is, uh, not common. Mm -hmm. Um, the very big like war is bad themes, <laughs> and the, like the government corruption. Speaking of the government, yeah. I, I think I'm going to use this as our bridge into episode one. You know, 
from the get-go that a government run by someone calling themselves the Fuhrer <laughs> is probably up to not-so-good things. I'm yeah. just putting that out there. I mean, that, that was the, the, the two, like, big flags of, like, the, you know, are we the baddies flags, was just, just like, okay, so we are, like, military police, and also we have stanked state-sanctioned magicians who are basically like, yeah, the people who have access to this, like, otherworldly supreme power are, you know, licensed by the government, so the government has control over who has its power, which means the government has its power pretty much only, and also it's led by a fjord, and I'm just like, mm. And they I... tried to do a genocide. They did try to do a genocide. Yeah. So, yeah, I, this, uh... Oh, this one came front-loaded with a lot of issues, but what I don't think anyone realized their first time getting into it is it, it was carrying a magazine, like one of those old bandolier magazines of issues to still unload. How long have you been waiting to use that? Would you believe... Bandolier. <laughs> would you believe I literally just thought of that on the spot? I would. Because I was originally trying to think of Drum Magazine, and my brain failed me until this moment. What about a banana clip? Ooh. Banana. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, overall, I like this series because I really like the world. Um, There are a lot of very good characters. Mm -hmm. And I, I picked the episodes I picked partially, like, for story stuff to not give away some of the big stuff. Um, but also to like to just give you a glimpse of a lot of the characters. Yeah, I I I, I did want to say like um the episodes we watched because again one two eight and thirteen is they're spaced out enough that we actually just get like a good chunk of the way in to like you know the 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 show being already in motion. But like we were hitting points about just like okay uh here's the kids they're okay they they messed this up now they saying like oh a philosopher's stone might fix that and then you see them like following that trail and i forgot how much that was a um what like actually a, a kind of an overarching uh um motivation in the show yeah would you believe i've been trying in the last 20 less than 24 hours to make a philosopher's uh, stone oh don't worry about it uh i was actually gonna say uh Always sunny in Philadelphia meme title <laughs> that we could use it here for Ed and Al doing Abomination. <laughs> and I just couldn't get the music to sync up at all. The gang dabbles in the one thing you're supposed <laughs> not to dabble in. Ed and Al do a taboo. That's what it originally was. <laughs> Ed and Al do a taboo. Followed by Ed, Ed and Al. Uh, Ed and Al do a taboo. Oops. All right, let's let's get right into episode one because, like, I yeah. do have some sort of like general, like series wide comments that I could mm -hmm. make, but I don't want to lead with them, so I'll, I'll wait till they come up and and I'll, I'll bring my my I'll bring out my list when they're relevant. Your ninety five thesis? No, nah, it's just like three. I got three thesis. Fair. Actually, right. I actually I have a dual major. Oh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Ninety-nine thesis, but a majoring one. <laughs> Bob, why don't you tell us about the episode, Bob? Oh my god! All right. 
Episode one, Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, we're introduced to a guy who decides it's really good to paint on the ground with chalk. I guess he's chalking the ground, not painting it. I guess it's good the children aren't outside playing hopscotch. Uh, we're introduced later on as learning that this guy is called the Freezer Alchemist. Which, as someone who didn't watch Full Metal Alchemist, it's like, that means nothing to me other than probably cold powers. Uh, uh, Colonel Guy sends our protagonist, Edward, and Alphonse, which, the first time I heard Alphonse's voice, that really threw me off. Not even gonna lie. I was expecting a deeper voice, and out comes this little kid's voice. Which I thought was little girl till it was his brother. <laughs> uh, they. I think he is voiced by a woman. Ha. Uh, you going back to uh, Mr. Freezer? Uh, you get surrounded, I believe, by the kids first, Edward and Alphonse, and Freezing Alchemist doesn't realize that these are the. Metal Alchemist, or that uh, Edward is at least, because he uses his ice power, and Edward's able to block it with his arm. And apparently, because it's metal, it doesn't do anything. There's no water in it. That would lead to the question why they don't use metal in other places. Yeah, you would think. I also think anyway. Freezing Alchemist kind of is a misnomer because his powers seem to roll it's, it's water based. Yeah, yes, he could he can make steam, he could make hot water, he can freeze a, water. A wet bandit, if you will. Oh my god! Sort of water in all of his forms is his domain. You you came with that prepared? <laughs> I did not. Would you believe me if I said I thought of that just now? You know, yes. <laughs> Seems like he'd be the guy you'd want at the pool. Can you raise it by a couple degrees? I just don't want to get in yet. Oh, thank you, Mr. Freezer. Oh, he's the only yeah. one where when he gets in the pool and the water gets warmer, you're not upset by it. Exactly. I just need the abridged version of this show where it's his. all of his lines are dubbed over by Arnold Schwarzenegger, a la Batman and Robin. Oh, my God. Yep, 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 yep. Ice to meet you. Oh, so he just, that. that would be over the top. kills those guys, chill. So they end up capturing uh, Sir Freezer. And as he's trying to get away, you see him fall to the ground and create a steam explosion. And, you know, Batman villain escape. Because no one can capture you in steam. So the colonel gets upset with the kids. Because, you know, he explained that this is, while his name is the Freezer Alchemist, he can do stuff with water. Edward really should have been paying attention. So that's a good point. Uh, we cut over to Freezer visiting his friend, question mark. Crimson Alchemist? Kimberly, yes, Which, Crimson Alchemist. Do we... What does he do? <laughs> he, I, not, not these episodes that we watched. He, not a lot. He he does have powers. He will be explained much later. Uh, he decides not to join Freezer. And the Freezer's like, you can join me. And the Crimson Alchemist is like, almost offended that he'd want to be second banana. Uh, he goes off 
and Mr. Freezer leaves, pushing one of the frozen guards over, explaining how he broke in. Mm-hmm. Which, actually, that's kind of cool, because it explains how he got in. You just aren't assuming, oh, he's, you know, Steam Sneak Off. You back. Sorry, it's just, just the weirdest spinoff show from The Great British Bake Off is the great alchemist sneak off sorry i sorry sorry <laughs> sorry i mean it could be still a bake off it's just what's your bacon mm-hmm. well thanks to this break-in they know that freezer is back on the loose well everyone's out to look for him uh there's a guy named armstrong whose name is very obvious because he will tell it to you an awful lot because he's the armstrong alchemist yeah. Is he stone-based? Because he likes to put his face on the wall a lot. He's strong-based. <laughs> you will give Alex yes. Louise Armstrong the respect <laughs> he is due as the almighty himbo. He also uh, has yes. a sister who's a general, and she's awesome too. Would you believe his sister is more fearsome than he? As long as she doesn't put her face on everything. Because Armstrong catches up with Freezer, and when they see the fight and him backing away, you just see Armstrong's face on bricks flying through the sky. Yeah, he puts his face on stuff. <laughs> that is the Armstrong technique, and you will respect it. I, I will consider that. Because it's a big ol' fight, big ol' obvious fight, uh, boys go and rush to help out. Uh, Armstrong actually puts up a pretty strong fight, unfortunately, for me to compliment him. <laughs> uh, but it's at this point, Freezer uh, does his weird magic alchemy stuff. And he creates a circle of ice. To keep people from getting out. Well, he, he uses... Okay, so alchemy. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Listen. Buckle up, Bob. <laughs> to like do alchemy, you have to create an alchemy, um, an alchemy circle, which is basically like the instructions for the spell or whatever. And that's so, what makes the Full Metal Alchemist unique: is he doesn't need the circle. Right. It's um, it's not a spell; it's science. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's magic with those, rules. <laughs> I feel like we need to deli- uh, have a, a an acknowledgement of terms. Often, science fiction has science magic. This really is magic science. Yeah, and I feel it's important to acknowledge it in that order. I know in episode eight we talk about how you can't, or no, episode two wasn't it, where you can't give and not take. Right. Equivalent exchange it comes up a bit. Yeah, so like a lot of it um, involves. Like, with the water guy, like, you know, changing its form or its shape or structure or stuff, but you're not going to, like, be able to make something with more than you have. Um, So he's basically plants a bunch of smaller alchemy circles around the city, and then when they are all set off, they connect and create a bigger one. Um, So he's doing that to try and, uh, like trap the central um police station yeah for reasons because he really was upset they spelled his name wrong and they got his nose wrong again on the wanted poster (laughs) it's all very frustrating uh 
So they start making this big, gigantic base circle. At uh, some point, Freezer gets away again up to the roof so he can meet up with uh, Fire Alchemist or the Flame Alchemist? Blazing? A Shining death. Finger Alchemist. <laughs> yeah. Roy Flame Mustang. Alchemist, yeah. Uh, the, the chief who is uh, Edwards and Alphonse's boss. And apparently him and Freezer had worked together in the war because that's how they treated the alchemists. As we hear in the future that they were just kind of the front-end soldiers. And Freezer didn't like that and got out. Be a bad guy. Uh, fight ensues. Like, hey, y'all did some war crimes. Yeah. Oh, boy. And Mustang's like, that's not what it was. We were the soldiers. Uh, it's his fire, Adam. And Freezer creates a wall of water. It makes a point. It's ridiculous when you think about it compared to other superhero shows. If you want to stop the fire guy, just get him wet. Mm-hmm. And promptly escapes. Bob, would you believe that's a running joke? Yes. I actually would, just because of comments later. Yeah. Where he's not useful, because at a certain point, actually shortly beyond this, is he runs into a, an ice wall, tries to melt it, and his second-in-command, I'm assuming, the lady? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Reza Hawkeye, Hawkeye is the yep. best woman ever. The sweetest cinnamon roll in this world. She's like, he's useless if it's raining outside. Mm-hmm. Just what, hilarious. What, what is the, like name of that trope of the secretary who is way more in control of the situation than... I don't know, but I am really, really into it. (laughs) It's very common from what I've seen with what we've seen so far. Yeah, it happens a lot in anime. She's the real Jim Hawkins of uh, (laughs) this partnership. Uh, With Freezer's escape, he eventually runs into the brothers up on one of the ice walls. The battle ensues. At a certain point, Freezer, I don't know if he throws some ice or in some way, uh, knocks Alphonse's helmet off. Come to find out, there's no body inside of that suit of armor. (gasps) And we get a shortened explanation of what happened uh, from Freezer, but we'll go into it with episode two Mm -hmm. for detail. Uh, but he's he's all giggly because it's this taboo thing. And uh, one of the boys knocks him off the ice where he hits like 17 different things on the way down. It's all bloody (laughs) to a pulp. He gets to the bottom. Like uh, Homer falling down Springfield Gorge. (laughs) Oh my god, yes. (laughs) I would also like to take this brief interruption. Joe or Nick, I forget which one of you asked, that is the behind every great man trope. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, all right. The shadow. Welcome. Anyway, uh, boys catch up to this poor beaten up freezer, and they're like, "What you gonna do? There's no water left around." And he's like, falling back to a comment previously by Edward, that I did not mention that the body is seventy percent water, and freezer turns into a bloodbender, starts shooting his uh, icicles at the boys, which they fend off. Runs away, uh, 
content to try to get away another day if I had to guess and runs into a sword guy from what I gather yeah it's the big boss yeah he's got the iPads you know he's in charge Bob let me let me just say this right now you don't lead a government or you don't serve any position other than the role of leader if you're calling yourself the Fuhrer in that kind of organization oh even without the Fuhrer comment you really got a bad vibe off of him anyway oh yes he just straight up kills this guy without you seeing him swipe his blades. I don't know if he's like a blade alchemist or what. Don't worry about it, Bob. <laughs> oh, blade he's, alchemist. He's, that would be so much cooler. <laughs> he's Don't worry super about it, Bob. scary. Yes. And But he comes across this cheery grandpa when he talks to anyone. No one ever questions him. Yeah, he's the hidden Where badass. Where did sliced up body come from? Oh, it's fine. It's like... Where's, where's my tea? It. It's got some very, uh... Oh, it's my sweet Uncle Corleone. It's got that kind of vibe. Yeah. Oof. I mean, like... They know he can hold his own. Very much yeah. so. They just don't know he's that scary. <laughs> and, uh, Freezer's bleeding out. And... Uh, Crimson somehow knows because I'm assuming Crimson means blood, that he's a blood alchemist. Nope. Oh. Uh, his full title is Crimson Lotus, I believe. So he likes red flowers. How oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, arguably in fashion, yes. Uh, episode ends with like some weird lady and her Oh, there's no good way to describe the situation. Seems very PG. Uh, uh-huh. Her glut- gluttonous friend was on the ground, <laughs> eating food off of the ground, wearing a very unique outfit. Uh-huh. That's a very choice description, Bob, as he literally enacts vor. Oh. They're, they're vampires, that's all. Just your regular run of the sure. vampires. <laughs> You can tell who an alchemist is by their tattoo. See end. <sighs> there is really like I, I I I never noticed this originally, but on this watch, I was just like, oh, there is a lot of like branding in this show. Yeah, just about like you know the crest of the military or like all of the um the 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 uniform that the the state everybody wears except for ed because i don't know he's 14 or whatever um he's a child soldier there's not implications with that like you talk about uh the sort of the the alchemy circles but then a bunch of people do have sort of a signature one like um mustang has the one on his gloves because it's related to the alchemy he always uses so like everyone kind of has like a signature circle that they use um uh I never noticed that the uh, symbol on the back of Ed's cloak is the same as his teacher's tattoo. So there's mm-hmm. your branding. Like, like there is so much in this show about like just marks. And I don't, I, so I'll, I'll be honest here. I actually have never seen this series in its entirety, um, either this or the original or Reddit or anything. So this is almost a first watch for me too. Um, but like, I, I don't know where what 
all of this sort of iconography is going, whether it's about like, oh, it's about ownership or it's about lineage or it's about being branded by history or like there's a lot of sort of thematic things it could be doing. But I just never noticed how strong it was, even though I don't actually know why, what it's serving. So, Joe, but, stop me if I'm wrong, but I believe some, maybe, I, I don't believe all of it because stylization is a thing, but I believe the semiotics used in this are drawn from actual real-world alchemy in some parts. Yeah. Yeah, I was say, because I remember studying this in high school and then hearing about this show. <laughs> well, so, yeah, like, when we get to the gate, the carving on it is, like, a very well-known, like, Tree of Life, Yggdrasil sort of classic iconography isn't it yep mm -hmm. um which is funny because that will be coming back in another show that we're going to talk about down the line but don't worry about that for now um, yeah it's fine but uh yeah so, so like it is it's, it's doing something <laughs> even when you especially when we when we get to like um al and the specifics, the seal that is bonding his soul to the armor is just like, oh, this this one is not just like, it's almost like a Tron identity disc, you know? It's just like, oh, this is the thing that keeps you alive, quote unquote. Uh, we could talk about definitions there, but like, that's, that's for a later episode. Oh, yes. I, I don't know. Do, do y'all have any sort of uh, input on that as having knowing more I'm about going, the series. I'm going to just kind of lightly clap back at Bob for the Bloodbender comic and uh, push my glasses up as I say, uh, this came first, so uh, Avatar is cribbing off this Bob. Oh, uh, but otherwise, I mean, I I appreciate they did the th what Bob highlighted with the using blood as part of his alchemic process or as an offensive weapon. The, the the creativity of these characters in this military, and it, it comes up more as the series goes on, is really good. I got to give them a lot of credit. They really pay attention to what they're using and how they use it. And then kind of like, again, the trope of watering down the hothead, as it were. Yeah, Mustang, oh, fire, incredibly powerful and dangerous, oh, by the way. Um, here's a hose. Why don't you cool off? It's it's really nice. They get it out in front, and they they work with it very well. Um, I I the beginning of uh, FMA Brotherhood always kind of gets a little bit of a uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, gets some de detractors, and I'll discuss that later. But I, I, but I still think it's good in its own way. It's a good yeah, um, drop. I, th I think general consensus is that the the first series had kind of a stronger introduction to the characters. Um, but this series is definitely since it's like a straight adaptation of the manga and stuff. Like I feel like when they made it, they're like, okay, people watching this are people who already kind of know what's going on. Like. Agreed. So you don't need to kind of introduce them as much. So, 
I, I don't know if this is because I knew the, you know, the fact that this is closer to the manga, but like this episode had to me like first chapter of a new serialized weekly publication manga in that like hey we gotta we gotta we're gonna drop something in and we're gonna have lots of cool action and back and forth and it really is just like kind of showing off how cool all of these dudes are without actually like kind of showing them being cool but not like building them up any more than that really and there's a lot of just like, oh, this is the fire guy. This is the water guy, which, listen, in my notes is Bloodbender and also that, like, uh, honestly, the, like, it's weird that this came before Last Airbender because this, re- it, like, for, for being alchemists who any of them could theoretically use anything, the fact that they each have, like, a signature element that they work with is just, like, Armstrong is the Earthbender, Mustang is the Firebender, Freezer is the... Which, by the way, he's a MacDougal, so he's the missing third MacDougal right. brother. Um, I was gonna come to that. Uh, <laughs> but, like, he's, he's our water guy. We got the dude in prison who is just the I'm crazy bender. Uh, we have... Ed, who I guess is an arm bender, because he just keeps shifting the shape of his arm. <laughs> um, but like, like, like there is this like, I was getting like very strong elementalist vibes. But specifically, I was like, man, this feels like it's doing what Airbender did, but it's not. I want to say it's not doing as good a job, but just Airbender is such a good show. So it's like one episode compared to a series is what I'm doing in my head. And that's not mm-hmm. fair. But like, I don't know. You, you you tell me about like, you tell me about like, oh, alchemy and transmuting. I don't think about like creating giant ice spears, you know? Um, right. And it's just like, oh, like that's, that, that's just not what I associate with alchemy. So it's just like, oh, you're. You said you're using these words, but you're kind of doing this other thing, which is cool and can be turned into something cool, which they did with Last Airbender. And I don't know if that's what they're doing here, but I think that I would say the series has more Korra vibes than Airbender vibes, but that's just oh sure, like this one, you know, being much more like um, a much more industrialized environment. Yeah, I I appreciate how they do it. I guess a little more than an Airbender because it's like okay. There is a quote unquote science and I am using that so loosely. I believe uh-huh. me, I'm not I'm not saying it's hard science. Not, not capital S, but it's one of those if you let yourself flow with it's okay. There guys using the moisture in the air, so there's a reorganization of the element or the no, excuse me, the atoms and molecules, like, okay, I can loosely follow this fiction, this magic science, enough to say I'm cool with it. And that's kind of where it worked for me. It wasn't just, ah, I cast Firebolt. No, I've got to have these specific things, including gloves with my magic circle on it, to do it. Otherwise, I'm useless. Also, his gloves specifically are made of a material that when he snaps, it makes a spark. Yeah, they're like flint-infused or something. Yeah, and then the circle lets him like use that spark to create fire. Yeah, it's essentially he's got a uh, a a spell circle on standby. It's always on yeah. re- on call, ready to go. He just has to snap and Which, So he's got that. Um, the freezer guy has one tattooed on his hand. The crimson uh-huh. has one tattooed on his hand. Armstrong has one on his like brass knuckle dusters. Um, uh-huh. So like 
it really confused me when the guy was just like, oh, you transmuted without a transmutation circle. And I'm just like, every single person you've met so far has had like an inbuilt, they don't got to draw one. Like, how do you know? Like, like, could I just have one like tattooed on my thigh and just, could I just have all of them tattooed just like straight down my leg, like on um, DJ's pants where it says Mac? No, <laughs> I can't, I can't just have them all queued up at once and, and ready to go. Like, but, but still the idea of just like doing it, Doing it without a circle versus doing it using a circle that you can't necessarily see, I feel like are two different things. And it's really yeah. weird to me that he jumped to, you're not using a circle when it's just like, no, people are doing this stuff at will nonstop, including <laughs> you. Why are you surprised, my dude? This is definitely a one of those like first episode setups. It's like, oh, you have to see me draw the circle to know what I'm doing. And thus we make a big deal to set up a mechanic. But yes, there is kind of that hand wavy nature of he could just have it, you know, etched into his metal arm somewhere. Yeah. No, uh, I, uh, I, he had that uh, notoriety from the way it sounds in the episode. So he knows there's just this one person with a metal arm, oddly. And, oh, must be Full Metal Gal. It's a, there's a little more to it than that. It's not just, there are plenty of people, and you'll see it later in the series, that have these metal prosthetics, what are called, uh, oh, God, I just let auto mail. There it is. Saved it. Um, and so having that doesn't necessarily make him distinctive enough, but it's the being able to transmute and being a transmuter who has this metal arm. And I don't remember if they know about the leg, um, but definitely the arm and doesn't need a transmutation circle working in their organization. So he, they do have that amount of knowledge. So that would make him recognizable. I think the way it would work is that if he had a circle on his arm, on the metal arm, like, that would explain him being able to transmute the arm into the different shapes and stuff, but it wouldn't let him do everything else he does. Like, make the spear out of stone, for example. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point. It's, they are all limited within their wheelhouse of whatever specialty element they've chosen to work with, whereas he can work with anything without needing additional support. And I think that kind of makes sense, too, like, when you, if you're studying it, like, you find what works for you, what makes sense to you, and then these are all people who are used to using it in, like, a combat setting, so mm -hmm. you're going to be using kind of the same thing that you just have most strongly, like, connected with repeatedly, rather right. than getting variety with it, just because, like, that's what you know you're going to do. Not every soldier is a sniper, not every soldier is a demolitions expert. For variable definitions. And depending on how smart you are, how creative you get with it. Mm. Which is, again, why I really love the setup with the freezing alchemist. Isaac McDougall was his name. Um, because there's going to be a 50-50 draw. There's going to be audience members that don't catch on to the, oh yeah, water, body, a lot of, okay, that makes sense. And then there's going to be those, well, why doesn't he do that? This delivers a two-punch of, hey, for those of you that weren't expecting this, here you go. And for those of you that were questioning of it, shut up, sit down, and keep watching. 
Yeah, a couple later episodes, too, I think they, they did a good job of just, like, I was sitting there going, like, hey, how come we're not just going to do it this way? And then, it was like, right afterwards, address is like, oh, here's how here's why that didn't happen. So I'm like, okay, so you are thinking these things through, even if your science gets real loosey-goosey mm. pretty often. That's what I said. This is lowercase magic science. Yeah, but, like, Arakawa put a lot of thought and attention into how it all works. Which is, I think, why I appreciate it a little bit more than the Airbender. Mm -hmm. It's not just, ah, I specialize in this because this is the tribe I'm from. There is there is a plausible line of thought in this lowercase science. Alright, so the Fuhrer gives Mustang and the Elric brothers credit for dealing with me mm, yes and that's where we end the episode well his, his best friend tells him this Hughes yeah <laughs> yeah another character to introduce you to their whole crew is great actually no because this episode ends on um... the cliffhanger with the the lady and the dude well, it ends on the phone call of them talking to unknown person, essentially confirming that Isaac had a very small philosopher's stone that fell out of him after he died and he fell shattered, apart. Yeah. Well, and I, that's what Kimberly sensed. Well, I I was actually I didn't know that. Hmm? Oh yeah, there was a shot like when he got sliced up. Oh, I saw the thing roll out and go poof. I didn't know that was the Philosopher's Stone. Well, it, is... it was a thing that was amplifying his uh, Fair. power level. I I feel we can call it that because the, the boys asked him outright at one point. You're doing this. You have to have yeah. a Philosopher's Stone. Right. It's but they didn't say whether it was on him or I didn't get whether it was on him or it was somewhere else. I believe the implication is that was literally in him because yep. it fell out with his blood. Yeah, did he like eat it or something? Did he have it under his tongue? Was he? Did he just? You no, know, I like, was a just having that thought, and I were thinking the nice ways. <laughs> Up the butt. I well, mean, take that stuff across the border. I was like, if you're trying to smuggle a stone. Uh, but yeah, it ends with our two unidentified characters, uh, Lady in Black and the Gluttonous Man. In a, uh, they're, wherever they're taking this, whatever locale they're taking this uh, phone call in, it's in a what looks like a church, and they are clearly aware of setting up some kind of plan going forward. They are inside of a church, inside of a blood moon, because it is all red and black. And I'm like, True. wow, this is... Yeah, episode three is pretty good, too, but... Um, <laughs> that's my problem. It was like, all this show is... I think this show is really good in a lot of ways, and it was really hard to pick episodes. I actually to wanted you, like, to congratulate you. <laughs> you. You chose, in my opinion, the best episodes to draw in without giving away too much, but giving just enough. Thank you. I tried. <laughs> All right, so episode two, we get uh, called the first day, um, is a flashback episode, so we get to see uh, 
what the boys did. And naughty, weren't they? <laughs> <clears throat> Although we don't know how bad till the end of the episode. Well, not the end of the episode, but throughout. Yeah. So, start with them talking about why they're doing what they're doing. And we cut back to one of their kids. And apparently they've... I this is my own lack of knowledge. I don't know if alchemy is something you learn or something you're born with. I feel like it's something you learn. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it's like science. Like you, once you know the formulas and like the math involved or whatever. Which like and the, go, going back to the idea of you know state alchemists, the idea of just like oh, this is something that anybody could do, but also we clearly have this like uh, uh, licensing hierarchy, like um certified practitioners kind of thing. It's just like, yeah. mm, okay, so it's not available to everyone is what you're telling me. Okay, interesting, right. interesting. And there are some people who, like, study it to get uh, grants from the government, like, to, like, sponsor their research. and You know, like, most academic setups. Um, but with uh, magic. From what I gather, these kids kind of learned from their absent dad. Yeah, they're poking around in his his uh, his office and going through his books. They and... seem to be rather gifted at it from the way that uh, their mom describes it, because <laughs> they're like, hey, mom, look what we can do as she comes in to see them drawing on the ground. Also a and... note to learn about anime. If your mother character has hair like this, they are going to die. <laughs> And that that happened five minutes later. (laughs) She was nice until the epidemic came along and took her away. Uh Q Q really sad. They're sitting next to the grave. I'm hungry. It's cold. (laughs) Boom. Orphans. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, they have a a dad somewhere. Absent dad. He doesn't even care. He'll be back from transmuting milk one day. You'll see. You'll see. north it's fine he just lives on the farm uh, <laughs> go live with this lady and their daughter uh, yeah their their neighbors and childhood friend uh winry and winry's grandmother i believe yes panaco yep winry winry is the best and does not deserve to be <laughs> a side character to these two dimwits I agree. That's she gets for a screen time later on. I do enjoy the uh, argument about, oh, and that was something that was part of uh, this first episode that's continued here and actually throughout the episodes we watched, is that Edward does not, does not like being called small. No. But him is a small. You will notice that's, that his, that's little, like a trigger. his little brother is taller than he is. He's, he's, a little, he's shorty. Vastly. <laughs> oh, he's got short man syndrome. He does have short man's He hair. gets in an argument with Winry about their statures. I believe it was a short old hag. <laughs> something to that effect. Uh-huh. Oh, that was Panaco. Panaco was the short coat old hag. Was she? Yes. That's right. Winry's the daughter. The granddaughter, yes. I like Panaco then better. Sorry. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't put too much weight into oh, Winry. No. You are oh, correct. Fine. Panaco is great. All, all of the Everybody's women great. in the show are fantastic. Oh yeah, that's another great thing about the show with a lot of fantastic female characters. Yeah. 
So I'm assuming the boys somehow brought all their books over to um, Panaco's uh, house. No, they still live in their house. Um, they just spend time over there. Yeah. That does not seem safe at all. Don't worry I... about it, Bob. It happens in anime. The middle of the countryside. That's how you live. Ah, yes. Ignore fires. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. They're just gonna... It's it's a it's a kind of rustic village where you just let the kids go wander out in the woods, and you know sometimes they don't come back, and that's just like uh, uh, it makes sense that they would live on their own after with no parents, just in a house. That is the cyclical nature of life with with the secrets of transmutation and <laughs> possibly the human soul just sitting on the shelf. I don't know what kind of books their dad had, but that was one of them. Is trying to. Uh, bring a soul back from death because they wanted their mother back. Um, yep. So Edward's fairly certain he's figured out the <laughs> Very formula. taboo. Also, something in high I remember in high school is that any fans of this series all had the um, list of ingredients for a human body memorized. Oh my god, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have a critique on that. Uh-huh. I feel needs to be addressed in the moment. Uh-huh. Is every single human made up of the just exact no. same amount? <laughs> that's no. where they went wrong. They didn't have their mother's size it's when an she died. Average. <laughs> and that's just like, yeah, I, I get that's supposed to be an average, but the thought in, yeah. in X amount of years since I first watched this, the, even for FMA, uh, it, was, it finally occurred to me, wait a minute, you're telling me we're all the exact same amount? <laughs> Hold on. What you don't realize is that their mother actually had six toes. <laughs> oh. foot. Oh. It didn't take that to an account because guess what? It doesn't work. And as the world turns red, an eyeball pops open in their circle. You see, but, and this is, this is where uh, a different flavor that I like. I like comics. So it's reminiscent to me of uh, the way they, stylized witchcraft deleting stuff. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Oh, you just see block pieces coming off of these poor, poor children. Uh, first we see it happen to Alphonse, who just disappears. And Edward screaming as he just slowly gets deleted himself. We see him wake up in a room with a weird little static man, woman, person, and a big wall with doors. And the man-woman person introduces themselves as all, as God, as Edward himself, says, here you go, this is everything you want to know. This Regardless is, um, of... Go ahead. This is uh, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Wait, hold on, Kingdom <laughs> Hold on, that actually... That probably is the only way to understand Kingdom Hearts shots fired. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is that scene of everyone and that with the monkey's paw that's ever said, I want to know mm -hmm. everything. Okay, here we go. It's like, ah, it's like Clippy pops up and is like, oh, so you want to tamper in God's domain? <laughs> you want to stick your head in the bucket of knowledge? All right, here we go. <laughs> Breathe deep. <laughs> Door opens and Edward is pulled in. And as he explains it, he is literally learning everything. And it is just too much for his body. 
And once again, his body parts slowly start fading out as he's learning and learning. And by the end, you just assume, oh, this, he's dead, but he's completely fine. Or appears completely fine as he's on the ground. And I know, know all alchemy. And oh, all, call them all, walks up to uh, Edward and's like, here you go. You know it all. And Edward's like, oh. And all it's like, just don't forget there's the law of equals. Or how is it put? The Equal exchange? Equivalent law of exchange. equivalent exchange. So, to gain all this knowledge, you've already paid for it, so here you go. Edward's confused till he looks and sees that part of his leg is still gone. And he flashes back, he's in the room with his brother being gone. As well as part of his leg. He's kind of distraught for reasons I just don't understand. But we'll continue with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like... like it, oh, go ahead. In, in the moment there when he's pulled through the doors, like, it is like these sort of, like, goopy hands that pull him in. And he's learning everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of like, ah, it hurts. It's, my brain is not big enough. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. And then it snapped back to standing outside the door. And immediately he's just like, hey, wait, that was cool. Let me do it again. <laughs> and I'm just like, whoa, hold up. Knowledge is he's, a hell of a drug. Like that is. He's I, to learn one more time. I, I, I just love that. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. No, wait, let me do it again. Like that is, if you want to talk about like, <laughs> like straight to the point characterization, I, I love that moment. Does he know Kung Fu? Probably. Uh, yes, actually. Yeah, actually. Um, um, I love how the gremlins, he was like, uh, no, you you gave me one leg, you get three seconds in there, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just your first taste. This is you coming back. <laughs> the, the first taste isn't free. Um, but yeah, so the law of equivalent exchange is humankind cannot give anything without first giving something in return. Um, and that's why the idea that bringing someone's soul back is impossible because it's like, how do you figure out the value of a human soul and give something as equivalent exchange for that? I mean, how about a human soul? Just one for the other. Yeah, that's, that's, I just gotta RMA this soul. Hey, <laughs> hey, can NVIDIA? Can you just... <laughs> Panaco, you busy? I need you for something. Cool. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> an eye for an eye, a mom for a mom. Why not? Yeah, so Ed has lost a leg and his brother. And he really wants his mom back. He's calling out for her. Then he looks up, and then there's this grotesque body slowly doing the ring crawl at him. <laughs> for whatever reason, that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we assume that it's his mother because she's coming back for him. And he freaks out. Uh, I believe she disappears. No. She stick around because he he somehow bandages his leg. Crawls over. But. Yeah, uh, it dies because it's like. Not formed properly. There is a Simpsons Halloween special. <laughs> where Bart made this weird frog prince amalgamation, and the line "I shouldn't be" applies in this situation. Yeah. Does it? Okay. Does it die? Because I swear that there is um, 
Oh, they might have had to kill it. I forget the specifics. I, yeah, I want to say, like, the grandmother comes over and is just like, we, yeah. somebody somebody makes a mention, somebody like, we had to clean up your it. mess. Yeah. 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 It might have Tanako been the once they got there. Tanaka went back to see it after the boys arrived at her place. Mm-hmm. And in the original FMA, and it is implied here, I'm assuming it's one-to-one here, that the house eventually got burned down, but yes, she, in the original, I think she got burned down in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in this, it's, no, no, we took care of your <clears throat> quote unquote mom. Ultimately, mom is taken care of. At this point, well, there. Uh, and Edward is desperate to save his brother and decides to. Pray and hope as he inscribes this rune on this body of armor, his brother's soul is saved. So quick thinking on his part. Mm-hmm. All right. You know what? Because I was mm-hmm. about to ask, hey, if you can just whip this out, especially if you can do it under the duress of the like pain of an impromptu leg amputation and you can just do this successfully, how come you didn't just do that with your mom's soul? Because like, hey, like... They didn't, didn't know. Have like, the knowledge. This is years later. Mm-hmm. Mom has ceased to be. <laughs> she is no more. Well, I if mean, she was dying from the epidemic. Was he gonna like let so, me yeah, put there's... you in this pillow that you're laying on? <laughs> I mean, Ed was uh, or Al was gone too. Like he brought him back from the other side. Her mom's just on the other side too. I mean, she's gonna turn into a gone for no. seconds. Yeah, she's mom's been gone, been gone for, for years. years. Listen, I'm just like I I saw. Disney's Hercules once. They all That's just live question. in this tornado. There, you can just reach in and pick on one out. I mean, I agree with you. There, There is some, you know, ha- forced hand wavium here. But oh, I don't think yeah. so. I think it's that Alphonse was still kind of in the process of leaving. Whereas I think she he was long gone, though. Well, here, here's the thing. He he wasn't he, it wasn't even a natural death. Like at least with the mom, it was the epidemic, it was a natural death, it was a natural process of mm-hmm. things. Al was taken as a sucked in as an ingredient yes he he <laughs> was you know tribute in a sense he was an ingredient in the exchange which is weird because he was also you know part of casting the exchange and we can talk again more hand i i mm-hmm. trying to do all the souls fuck shit up fuck the rules up <laughs> yeah no so he, this 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 is actually sort of like sums up my whole experience even just in these episodes is just like they do something that to me makes no sense and feels like they're breaking logic and then they do address the break in logic later um but i've never seen enough of the show to see the other thing um i i I don't know how much we had left to say about this episode um but oh we're at the around the halfway point oh okay then because the only thing i was going to say is like um Maybe we can talk about it more later, but, like, I was a bigger fan of the way the non-Brotherhood opened, and Mm -hmm. episode one of (laughs) non-Brotherhood is, like, literally episode three of Brotherhood, and the way it approaches, the way that it, like, the pacing and order with which it introduced, like, characters and ideas, I thought was just so much stronger. That's Um, what I was dancing around earlier when I said this. The beginning of FMA Brotherhood gets some flack because... 
there is that dependence on having watched the original anime and mm-hmm. being familiar with that opening because there's characters we're going to meet in one of these other episodes that really don't get the full explanation that they did in uh, FMA. Mm. As so, such, there's a lot lacking there. But they, again, this was made to essentially satisfy an audience that already existed. Interesting. So... Yeah, after that brief aside, yes, cut back to the present uh, to see uh, brother's boss, whose name is Elusive Mustang. Mustang, yes, getting the final report uh, from the barter lady, and the lady asks about uh, why she put Edward and Alphonse on this case, and why did you even bring them in? They're introduced to how uh, Sting met them, uh, which is due to them hearing about this alchemy that was taboo and coming to inspect it because he heard that there was an alchemist out there who was strong enough to even get as far as they did, I feel like. Yeah, that's one of the things state alchemists do is they, like, investigate occurrences. And people fucking around with shit. It's almost like they're trying to police the magic. Mm-hmm. Oh, he goes, he meets Alphonse and finds out about the accident that Alphonse is now just the suit of armor. And I'm assuming that the reason why Edward doesn't have an arm is because that's what he had to sacrifice to yeah. Alphonse. Yep. yep. Uh, he lets them know that granted to uh, try out for the police squad which uh, Akko and little girl aren't too keen on because uh, he is talking to a pretty cop it's like I don't like you what? Frieza Hawkeye ah yes Frieza I'm glad that he finally made an appearance (laughs) Uh, Can we Speaking to tour. the Cell Saga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she doesn't like the police because they made a war and all they did was kill people, including her father. Well, they, they got killed as a result of mm-hmm. the war, but they weren't killed by the military. But it was a tragic part. Uh, uh, Riza is like, you know, it's up to them. And then they have this back and forth talk about how great the police are. If they choose to join, which we can positively conclude from episode one that they do, they bring them in so they can get training. Uh, Al doesn't actually have any alchemical abilities. Edward clearly does. Uh, his first meeting is training, or I guess it's a little while later. Um, he meets up with our Fuhrer. Because he's there to observe all this training, including Edward, who's there, because he heard about this great alchemist. He challenges him. No. It's more that Edward's like, this is bad for you, because I could have killed you on the spot. And, you know, Fear like, ha, 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 no, and walks away as the staff at uh, Edward alchemically pulled from the ground split in two showing that uh, he really is a 
blade alchemist at the this point. alchemist. <laughs> I need you to not tell me that's actually what it is. No, it's not, but I'm just oh, playing on because he cut it. You see him around cheese, it really starts to stink. Cue back to the brothers, and they're continuing to look to, for the alchemical stone, or not alchemical stone, oh my goodness. Philosopher's uh, Stone. Yeah, Philosopher's. It's a Sorcerer's Stone. I read the book. <laughs> and, uh, the MacGuffin. Yes. That they're hoping will be able to get them their bodies back, whether it be an arm and a leg or a whole body. Yes. And a Sans episode. Yeah, that more or less. I, I think, and maybe I misinterpreted something, I got the impression that really... What Mustang was after was not Al, or not Al, excuse me, Ed, but more after their father, because I don't believe he had any knowledge of what had happened of the of the attempt at Restore Mom. He just knew there was a powerful alchemist, or a rumored powerful alchemist out there, and instead he finds these two boys. Well, how do... How long had the dad been gone, then, is my question there. Years. Years and years. It it had been a couple of years, I believe, Not, but I don't think it was terribly long. It's, it's well, something like, that comes it was, up later. Like, he's gone when they were little, and then even after several years before they... Like, I want to say ballpark five years. Hmm. Because, yes, they are little, but they, I mean, arguably they're still little. Um, but yeah, I get, I get the impression, like, Ed was maybe, he, he's what, 14, 15 in this, when we first meet him, so, I get the impression he was like, 10? Well, no, he had to be like 13, because he said he, he got the auto mail, said I'd be ready in a year. So, 13, 14, so, he may have been like 9? When his dad left, I, I, it's been a while, but again, Joe, you may know better than I do. No, I just remember that it was like, if you figure that it was a couple years between when the mom died and when they tried to bring her back. Yeah, because th there's a specific line about, like, they trained for years? Yeah. In their so that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, they went to train with teacher for a f x amount of time. Yeah, could their teacher have been the powerful alchemist? She in lives person? elsewhere. Okay. Yeah. She she lives essentially on the other side of the country. Okay. Um. But yeah, I don't think Al Al doesn't like remember their dad at all. Yeah, Al. I think Al at most has like ah yes, this figure was there. That was dad. <laughs> This amorphous shape. Yeah. Because he was, to I don't want to say toddler, but a toddler adjacent. Like, he was able to get up and walk around, I remember that. Mm. But not, not like, necessarily full, full forming memories, years old. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess you're right. I, for some reason, I just got the impression it was always their daddy they were after. Or implied it was their dad they were after. Oh. Episode 8. Uh, yes, episode, episode 8. 
I just think it's funny because it's like episode three, but it's episode eight, the fifth laboratory. (laughs) The fifth column. (laughs) This episode opens up with the brothers separated. Uh, Alphonse is outside with a guy with butcher knives almost. Yes. Uh, Butcher's cleavers, which are very important. Uh, and he introduces himself as 66. Uh, and he just, he's just this dude in a suit of armor, as far as we know. Uh, to inside, there's Edward. And they're busy looking for the Philosopher's Stone, as is their right. Yeah, this laboratory, you know, had something, some... Um, yeah, yeah, it's a laboratory next to a prison um, where uh, raw materials. If, yes, <laughs> if, I, if I may, because there was the last time on kind of at the beginning. Yeah. And I, I will I will give you the summation that I have here. So Ed now now know what it takes to make a philosopher's stone. The secret ingredient is people. They go to the fifth lab next, uh, which is quote-unquote abandoned, and just happens to be next door to a prison. I'm sure this means nothing. Because Edward finds a rune, or an alchemy circle, in the middle of the room, and he's like, oh! This must be it! And then another armor-clad dude comes out and says, yes, it is! His best, best Sith Lord voice. <laughs> uh... He has a sword, I think it is? Yes. Some other bladed. And goes to attack Ed. Ed is able to block it off uh, with his arm. Uh, He introduces himself as 48, I believe. Yes. We check my notes. Yes, 48. Uh, As they're fighting, Edward notices a familiar sound. Sound like maybe there's nobody in this armor. Forty eight's like, yes, that's correct. They stop long enough for forty eight to remove his helmet. Uh because Ed was like, You got a rune and he's like, Yes, it's right here and Ed's like, You shouldn't have shown me that. That lets me know how to defeat you. Which leads to a lot of questions for me and Alphonse being in a situation of fighting, but neither here nor there. Uh, it's like, yeah, I showed you that way it's a better fight. They go back to fighting, and I'm assuming previous episode, uh, Edward gets an upgrade to his arm or repairs, or they use a different material because his arm is not working as well as it normally is. Yeah, it got maintenance. And they, I don't know why they used something different. TLDR. Better, faster, stronger. Uh, and um, it's Winry, right? Yeah. Yes, win- they they went to visit all grown up Winry. Decided that he needed weaker materials, lighter materials. They, they will they can break more easily, but there are benefits as well to them. It's a trade off kind of thing because nothing perfect. Actually, it was really fun because like the when Ed was like, oh, something feels wrong with my arm, and then he flashes back to that, like, the way he says it, I got, like, 
F1 vibes about like, ah, there's something wrong with the <laughs> suspension. And then you've got to take it back to the pits and just like, ah, 18 more degrees and then take it out for another qualifier lap. It's just like, I want to see that. Yeah, it was kind of that. It's like, oh, this this machine moves so much better now or it's harder to control. It's like, well, it's lighter now. Which I suppose in a short run is good, but anything long or anything difficult, i.e. fighting Robot Man here, well, not Robot opens a question for later. Uh, they cut away while Edward is asking 48 all these questions about how to make a Philosopher's Stone, to which he doesn't know. He's like, I don't know, I just guard the place. I just, just here. here. Exactly. Uh, we go back and see Mustang uh, asking about how things are going, and he says, like, oh, you know, this is inconclusive. It is what it is. Um, so she's going to let the brothers go. We go and see that the two people that were supposed to be watching them, for reasons I'm not 100% sure. They were under guard by Armstrong's order. Yeah. For their protection. Uh, they knew they would come to the fifth laboratory. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they were told no. Oh, they find out that they escaped and are rushing off to find them. Correct. Uh, 48 and Ed continue their fight, and then they start talking about how uh, 48 brought his partner, and Ed's like, well, is he as strong as you are? No, is he a strong fighter? Yeah, like, Eight's like, yeah. Is yours a strong fighter? Edward's like, yeah, I have yet to beat him in a fight. Yeah, Al always wins their sparring matches. Yeah. That's the thing. He's he so never big. beat him. He is. Ed- Edward can't beat those bigger than him. Mm-hmm. So they're fighting. Uh, and at one point, Al knocks off 66's head. And he's like, oh, aren't you scared? Ooh, why am I an empty body? And I was like, no. And lifts off his own head. And 66 freaks out. Why that are you an actually, empty body? <laughs> that was comical gold. Uh, then they get into a weird philosophical debate about whether Al is Al. If he's just a golem thinking he's Al. And that's, you know, a good question for all of them. It kind of fucks up the 14-year-old's head. Mm-hmm. I know. Gaslighting. Even a disembodied 14-year-old is never okay. Let's cut back. Oh, go ahead. Can we say that he was disembodied and then re-embodied? Disinhuman-bodied. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Recorporealize. <laughs> okay, all right, go on. I'll think about that one. Edward and Forty-Eight continue their fight. With Forty-Eight nearly getting him, so Edward blows up his body and kind of gets blown up into three pieces, if I recall, like head, torso, and legs. 
he just ends up being fine. Which, I don't know why he didn't do that sooner. Um, it's a new technique. He's mimicking a technique that was used against him earlier in an episode. Okay. So, so it's like he gets, he like, he knows it, but he doesn't really know it. It's one of those, this never occurred to me till it almost happened to me. Is it, is it actually like a, uh, alchemy technique? Like, is he like pressing off the wall with energy? It's actually explained as an incomplete transmutation. So, with, without going into a lot it of takes, details. Like, the energy from it. Yeah. And directs it as a, like, a destructive blast. Yeah. It's, okay. You know, alchemy is the breaking down of something into the remaking of it. He just does the breaking down. Oh, he makes things go away. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's a dispersal <laughs> of energy. <laughs> oh, no, 66 and Alphonse. They're, Alphonse isn't doing too well with these questions. Ed's actually a good brother. Because Edward does feel that he's his brother. And we discover, I think, before this, that 48 and 66 are brothers. No, 48 no. and the other half of his body. It was the head and the oh, torso okay. were, the bod- were partners. And after knocking off his head, he's, ah, you beat me, but not quite. And the body gets up and keeps going. Yeah, because <laughs> the body, and that's why he has to decorporealize yeah. the, the torso from its legs. Because it's like, ah, oh, you're just going to keep tacking because it's two of you. But it was... he, doesn't, he doesn't kill them because he doesn't kill. Right. This is this is the TNG episode, the measure this of a, a man. Child. <laughs> that too. Eventually, we get to the point where uh, he's going to be told, you know, the truth about the philosopher's stones. Family. Then along come Jesse and James. <laughs> Put a stop to that. You're not wrong. Uh, a pretty much get rid of 48 and are upset that uh, they tried to kill them. And I had to look up Lust and Envy. So are all seven deadly sins in here? Yeah. I bet you can't guess which one the gluttonous man was. Bless you. (laughs) Uh, Envy knocks uh, Edward out. They just leave. Uh, destroying the lab. Make sure that no one knows about the truth of 100% how to make the Sorcerer Stones. Well, they also drop some information on us. Get on. About them being... Bring it on. Uh, They dropped the information about uh, you know, we can't have such important sacrifices being, you know, lost because Dumb and Dumber here can't keep their mouths shut and lose to this kid or try and kill him. That's just not good. That's not good uh, resource material management. And Ed, Ed kind of like, wait, what What do you mean by sacrifices? Question mark. And before they blow up the building, they knock him out and purposefully take him away from the destroying of the building. Because... 
uh, the two cops come in and stop 66 from completely beating up Alphonse. And as you see this building burning down, along comes Envy, pulling out uh, Edward, saving his life. Uh, and then just takes off after saying, make sure that others are taken care of. Which makes sense. Uh, then, you know, casting off again. These villains in this, they just like the whole disappearing trick, don't they? <laughs> they are very much in control of the situation, and I appreciate that. Uh, we cut back to the police station. And Mustang's on the phone. Uh, so they've called in a bunch of alchemists. And he's getting a promotion. Hooray! Emily. Uh, Hughes is like, you know, just keep an eye out. Because Hughes is secretly a really nice guy. At least from what I've seen so far. Yeah. He really loves his family. Does. Those, like, there's a scene with him talking about his daughter, and he's like, we're going to stop talking about this. And he's like, but now I want to talk about how cute my wife is. <laughs> that art was yeah, just fun. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, in the manga, especially, Arakawa has a very, like, uh, signature, like, comedic, like, chibi simplified versions of people she uses a lot. It's very good. It's there's a, a lot of humor in the manga actually, and I feel like the first series uh played it up a little more and this series doesn't really lean into that as much, but it does feel more jarring in this one for some reason. That's actually um Listen, mm -hmm. I hate to be that guy on this No, episode. I brought I brought it up specifically because I know you have opinions on it. Well, thank you. Um I what little I have seen of the show was more from the original series, uh, not Brotherhood. Um, so that anything I knew about the story basically came from that. Um, and when I first saw Brotherhood, I actually really disliked a sort of change in tone. And I think this goes back to um, the fact that this is staying closer, you know, quote-unquote, more faithful to the manga version. But in a certain way that, like, manga and anime are different mediums. Now, hold on. <laughs> stick with me. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Um, But, but just, like, and it's, especially when you're talking about uh, comedy, and, you know, comedy relies so much on pacing, um... And I I put out a tweet about this the other day that I can only think of three anime that were based on manga that get the comedy right. And the entire list that I could come up with was Cromartie High School, Joe, <laughs> and Sailor Moon. And honestly, Sailor Moon is the one that most surprises me that it works because it's the same kind of like, you know, characters will occasionally just go simplified face and waka waka. Um but with like Cromartie and Nichijo, those are uh I, I thought about putting um Azumanga on there, but honestly I I don't think that one works as well. Um Hot takes, look out. Uh 
But like the Cromartie and Nichijo, the way that those anime do humor is they are very like slow burn. They are full of dead air. And I think that actually really works. Um, and there's, there's something about like, you know, when you're reading a manga, it is self-paced and you can kind of like breeze over you know, comedy at whatever pace feels right to you, feels natural to you. When you're doing it in, in, in anime, you know, the timing is baked in, so you have to be really careful about how you do it. Um, and even going back to the first episode, it was, like, upsetting to me that we go, like, the very first time when Freezer meets the brothers is, like, he is just, like, straight-up killing folks. He is this guy on the run. We are in, like, a gritty, hard-hitting, people are just getting, you know, blown up and killed. Um, and they're having this fight. But the resolution to that fight, when I finally get there, it is resolved as a punchline to this don't-call-me-a-shorty joke that they love going back to. And it just, like, it... it it's whiplash in the tone. It is like, hey, you were building up. You were you had the serious tone, and then you threw it away for the sake of this joke, which is a joke that like works for manga styling. Like you can go from panel to panel and switch things up. And again, coming from this as like you know a comic artist now is like you can switch up styles panel to panel, and because you know panels cover a certain amount of time but they also are separated from previous panels and just like in anime or like you know in in television movie visual media like that it's linear in a way where like the cut is somehow more jarring uh because it is you know it is not self-paced it is just like you're just giving people whiplash when you do it that way um and i so i think because this one stays closer to the manga it is it is to its detriment in a lot of cases especially around a lot of the comedy um, i would argue that the first series has this the, the better comparison of the tone of the manga and this is more accurate um an adaptation of the plot of the manga that seems fair well like the comedy stuff. I feel like they're putting that in there because the fans are expecting it because, like, the short jokes especially. I feel like they're just putting it in there because... Oh. I... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't really have a full thought. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, I, I'm kind of with Nick in the sense of... <sighs> Sometimes the comedy feels okay in this series. It, 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 retrospectively, on the whole... But there's a lot of times, like, especially in some of the more high drama moments where it will happen, and I, it is so, so much of a tonal whiplash that, retrospectively, it's one of the things that irritates me the most about the series. Mm. It's like, oh, well, the joke was there, or something akin to that happened, and it was one-to-one -one in the anime, like, sometimes creative license is okay. I mean, that's that's why, you know, I say yeah. the obvious thing, that it's a different medium, because a different right. medium is going to have better, you know, ideal techniques to use in it. Like, so so very specifically, in Brotherhood Episode 3, Original Run Episode 1, 
there is a scene where they're just like in the town square and they have that moment of don't call me shorty and waka waka bonk on the head whatever's going on in brotherhood it is how i imagine feels uh you know faithful to the manga interpretation where like they spend the whole joke of them yelling at each other bonk on the head and it's just that is the focus of the shots in the original run that joke is there but they show that interaction starting and then it occurs off screen in the background while you know like the serious tone it goes back to the serious tone and like other people are moving on while that happens in the background and that honestly just feels more natural it's making use of the 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 nuances of the medium this idea of you can do off-screen stuff this idea of like hey yeah no it is like a what would be like a small panel for a quick joke it is now a quick joke and then it happens off screen like it is Honestly, I thought the original series may not, you know, story-wise or just presentation, maybe tone-wise. I'm not familiar with the manga either, to be honest. But, like, watching Brotherhood, I I get vibes from the Watchmen movie. Y'all see the Watchmen movie? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I get where you're coming from with that. I, I don't necessarily disagree. But just, like, the way that it's, like, you are being so like not just faithful like i feel like faithful is the wrong word because it's almost like being slavish to it like you are committed yeah you are you are compromising the medium you are adapting to for the sake of recreating the thing from the other medium like you are going shot for shot in a way that is like it feels like you know something created by fanboys who love the original and don't actually are are too stubborn or too reverent of the original to actually adapt it to make a good, you know, version for the medium you are adapting it to. That is, I, I that, agree. That is like my overall feeling watching all of these episodes of of Brotherhood. Honestly, it's just like, like I I haven't seen much Brotherhood or even of the original. I've only seen you know maybe a dozen episodes of the original run. But that is just the vibe. It's just like, oh, yes, you are. It feels more like it is using manga techniques, which just do not work in anime. I agree. Uh, And it's one of those, to your point, for example, yes, running gags are a thing. The short joke never goes away, and it never really changes it it very much feels like the ah uh, this is the panel from the strip and we have to do it. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be there all the time. We get it. He's short. He doesn't like it. Fine. It you know ten, fifteen, even twenty episodes. You can put it to bed. It doesn't need to keep coming back. We can take it on on good faith that this still happened. Or, like, it can be in there, and it can be, like, part of character interactions. Like, the idea of, like, people picking on him and him him responding to that. Like, that can, that's fine if that's there, if that's just, like, a recurring character trait. But when it is the recurring cut-to-SD animation because of high reaction, like, that is... And yes. And dedicating so much time to it, rather than it being, like, a passed-off thing that happens, it becomes, like, a gag. We are dedicating time and style and like seen to that is where it's just like okay that is more like like 
in anime form, it requires more resources than it needed as a throwaway panel on a page. And, uh, yeah, th- when I say it recurs, that's what I mean. It, the whole SD, for Bob's benefit, SD means super deformed. Uh, Thank you. Chibi. Yeah, it, it pretty much comic effect in this case. Um, th- those kind of gags still occur, and they don't stop. And if I have to be honest, it is the, as I said before, it really is the top thing that annoys me about the anime. To be honest, to the point that this is a reason I, until now, have not rewatched it in at least 10 years. Hmm. It's just enough because it pulls me out. If there was a way for this show to exist kind of a la Dragon Ball Z Kai without that, I would probably go whole hog on that series instead. Well, so in my memory, that was non-Brotherhood FMA. To a degree, yeah. I, and again, it's been so long, I can't say I, I agree 100%, but that's but I'm willing to believe it. Mm-hmm. And I would, honestly, because of this, I'm willing to go back and rewatch that, but that's something... I have points about that to discuss later. Okay, fair enough. My ultimate goal for people watching either of the anime is that it makes them want to go back and read the manga because the manga is incredible. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's good. Source material is typically better than <laughs> what we get. Sure. But just like this story specifically, I have a very strong preference of the manga over the shows. Understandable. Now that we've finished up, uh, episode 8, move on to episode 13. Yes. The Beast of Dublet. Did I say that right? Dublet, but yeah. yeah. So like Dublin? Yeah. Gotcha. So this episode opens with a lady I don't know. Who is kicking the brothers out of her house. Well, that's uh, teacher, because she's not going to teach them anymore gather that. She says, see if there's a train, get on it, leave. Because while you, what you think you did was right, which was going through the gate, uh, is not, I cannot teach you. Edward shows some restraint on Alphonse, and they leave. Actually, if I can make one correction, and Joe stop me if I'm wrong, I think actually her bigger issue is they join the military. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you know. Yeah. She, These things happen. She doesn't like the government. Kazumi and I would get along. Uh, boys are heading out and some dude tells them, no, now that you're not her, they're her students. Wow. That's, bad that's her husband. He's a baker and I love him. Yes, he's great. Ah, I should have. He has a flex second. off with Armstrong at one point. Oh my god! They goodness. become best friends. Yeah, it's incredible. I actually, believe it. Welcome to <laughs> the meat show. Or actually, that is my favorite joke or moment in all of <laughs> FMA because, as cartoonish as it was, it somehow still makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's like very in character, and it's it's incredible. It's so good. Uh, Sig explains now that you're not. Uh, students you can actually just talk to her like a normal human being which didn't cross their mind they run back to ask her about what they saw in the gate she's like well you know you lost your whole body al maybe you saw more and i was like what you talking about willis 
And so Alphonse does not remember anything. She believes it was so traumatic for him that he's just repressed these memories and she's going to go talk to of her psychologist friends or psychiatrist. It depends on whether they hand out drugs or not. She's got a guy. <laughs> and while they're talking outside of the window, there's the lizard who crawls away. Probably to fight Batman or Spider-Man. Ooh. Isn't there? <laughs> Ooh, there goes your comic cred. Ooh, well, they, anyway, boy, you almost had me on a side tangent. I will not fall for your tricks. <laughs> I'll get you one of these days, Bobbert. Cut to uh, our good friend Mustang. He's playing with his, uh, I guess now old boss. Uh, they're playing chess. And having a conversation about how uh, oh, all these people that have worked under him are allowed to transfer with him into the city, which makes uh, Mustang happy. He also gets the uh, set. Moment, I guess. I'm assuming it has more importance later. What was that? Because you kind of caught up. I said I assume it has more importance later. Which which part? It's the, what what had more importance oh, later? Kind of... The handing off of the chess set. Oh. Uh, sort of. But just complimenting the scene because it really felt nice. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was really well done. I love it. Uh, we meet up with Scar, who apparently taught a technique or something. Um, he's been working out, and someone comes up to him and says, Hey, you need to... This is not the path that you're meant to be on because make your dad angry. And at that point, Scar is attacked by bad guys that were yeah, sent to kill him. he is a very wanted man at this point. Extremely. Mm-hmm. What did he do? Is it just because he knows that technique? So, um, you, you remember in the pre- maybe you do, maybe you don't, in the previous episode, part of why... Hughes called Mustang. Yeah. It was to discuss the if the the person known as Scar hint oh, yes. survived because there was a bunch of dead bodies. Scar is on something of a murder rampage with a very specific target set group. They just all happen to wear military uniforms and also be alchemists. <laughs> I'm sure mm. that has nothing to do with the war being. Scar and Ishvalan, and the war being called the War of Ishvalan Extermination. Really? More or less, oh. yes. Uh, Scar is like, are y'all going to try and kill me? Oh, he's going to continue on his path, even though he knows that uh, his dad would not approve. It's not his dad, actually. Who is it? It's his brother. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's who died. His brother. That's why. That's why he's on this path. Angry. Yeah. <laughs> Tell him to suck it up. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that was one of the reasons I picked this episode. So we get a little bit of his stuff because he's more involved in more of the series. Star gotcha. is a very interesting character. You can kind of gather that with the focus, but he's the angry character. These two can be true. 
Every episode or every series needs one, and I don't really feel like Edward fills that spot with his anger. This is more like a child anger. Yeah. Yeah. Can I also just say, um, when the I guess they're bounty hunters show up looking mm-hmm. for him. Yeah, mercenaries, bounty hunters. Yeah, <laughs> which that's pretty much what happens next. <laughs> the way he just like touches them and they explode i'm just like oh this dude kenshiro this dude my boy okay that's that's the technique uh ed was trying to emulate essentially because what he do his his preferred method of killing is to literally get up close palm your head full hands like over the eyes fingers outstretched grasping your skull and uh crap i forget what it was called in dragon ball super but it's essentially End and you die. Gonna transmute this dude into a corpse. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna transmute you to dead. And yeah, that's what he do. Come back to the house where Al gets a message to, hey, we got some information. He goes out there because he's a dumb kid. He encounters three people who are able to subdue him because one happens to be really strong and happens to be really fast. Uh, the three take him back to their boss, who's like, Hey, I'm greed, and I will admit, I may have groaned more than a little bit. <laughs> Seven deadly sins, Bob. I, that's why I groan. Come oh, that was the moment? That uh, was the moment you realized? Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. Uh, Al likes to argue is what he shows. He's like, this can't be chimeras because chimeras don't look like people. Greed's oh, like, ha ha ha. I've done it. He demonstrates uh, his technique of being that wormy guy from Men in Black who they keep blowing his head off. Oh, yeah. Hey, man, talk about unnecessary! <laughs> no, it's very Nessa. Very Nessa to prove that oh. I'm I'm functionally immortal. Yeah? Anyone can say that. Oh, yeah, fool? Yeah. Kill me. Exactly. I bet. Then and then he makes the argument that he's not immortal, though. He, he's he functionally immortal. He is not actually immortal. He's got, uh, he's got Wolverine disease. Yeah. Or what's the opposite of a disease? <laughs> well, it's not even that because he, he essentially he's kind of got a clicker on how many times he can do that. It's a lot, but he can do it. Hmm. Don't worry. It's kind of brought up later. I'm just kind of shorthand. Uh, Ed makes his way there via beating up a poor lizard guy and starts interrogating Greed. Asking him about lust and envy. Apparently, they aren't friends. That's what I gathered oh, from even it. Though they wear the same uniform and have the same tattoo. Yeah, yeah they're all vampires, but apparently, <laughs> not all vampires get along. <laughs> Which that was that was another moment where I was like, "Hey, how come you just don't have the other vampires who've been doing this do it for you?" And it's just like, then he's just like, "Oh," and then like I'll ask it, and I'm just like, "Oh, all right." This is, this is that moment where Joseph Joestar says, and then the next thing you will say is, I already mm-hmm. have your answer. So Edward is like, yo, uh, I'm going to take my brother back, starts fighting, and uh, Greed's like, Al out of here. 
while he takes on Edward himself. Then Greed goops himself. <laughs> this, so, this is a very interesting episode. This character is very interesting. He oh. is. Greed. Um, and Edward can't seem to slice through his armor. Tries he might. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to find the spots that are open. And Greed's like, no, you won't. And then coats his entire body with this penetrable armor. Uh, Edward keeps trying, but he is fighting a losing battle. Uh, eventually, he figures out a type of material. He's like, "Oh, you're 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 mutating the the carbon in your body." Yeah, huh. he he told him earlier. He's like, "I'm essentially the same thing as a human, materialistically. So humans made it from carbon." He's able to change it into something that's a little bit easier to beat up. Even though he's like, I swear, I don't know how Edward's still moving. He's able to <laughs> land enough blows for uh, Greed to get away. Mad constitution. Yep. Yeah. And he's laying down. Greed might almost have the upper hand, and then the lady from the beginning appears. Because... And that's... she's known through most of the series. And she's, that... she gives the best job description ever. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> who, who? What are you? I'm a housewife. Hard end. <laughs> well, you that's know. It. She kicks that's the end of the episode. Yeah. She Let doesn't have uh, students anymore, so she's not a teacher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just... That... I, I mentioned this to Joe the other day. I was like, this is probably my favorite answer to who do you think you are? Who are you? It's like, I don't have to say all those quick, ready things. It's a like, fact of the matter. I'm a housewife. <laughs> Asterisk. <laughs> I feel like with these episodes, there's a lot that I may have missed. Which obviously with four episodes out of how many are there, Joe? Uh, six. 64. Four, yeah. I looked it's it up to... because I was like, mm, I like the story that's being told here, but I don't want to watch that many episodes of the show. <laughs> I understand it'd be hard to pick and choose, like, any yeah. sort of linear path. Yeah, like, it definitely touches on a lot of the stuff that gets fleshed out a lot more. Mm. Of course. Do all seven deadly sins get represented? Yes. Yes. They all evil and bad guys. Uh, Ooh, there's a good question. <laughs> if if I may, I don't think greed is a bad guy. And, and allow me to even go as far as to say, my biggest problem with this episode is this didn't have to be a fight. <laughs> At no point did he ask anything truly unreasonable. Yeah, he just or, wanted to or, touch the body. Well, no, he he wanted to know how. Al happened. That's all he wanted. How Go did you how? And find your dead mother. I mean, all that had to be was an exchange of information. Now I get it's a very touchy subject, but at no point did he say, "I'm going to kill people" or "I'm going to use this to take over the world." Like, no, no, I'm just self interested. I want to live forever. Um, can you help me out? And I, I will give you your brother back. This this all really falls on Ed. And kind of, I get it, being very protective of his brother, but not stopping and just saying, okay, maybe we talk this through. 
he didn't even necessarily have to tell him it revolved around his dead mother. He just happened to say, all he had to tell him was, I did a taboo and it, my brother's body became one with the ether. And then I said, no, no, let me grab your soul. <laughs> and it literally cost me an arm and a leg, but it worked. Is that That's all he needed the, to do. Is that how the prisoners were made into uh, people, the armor? It, it, more or less, they, this was Wouldn't more an attempt. That knowledge? He doesn't have that knowledge because it, it becomes revealed he is not in communication with them because he is Greek. He is the personification manifestation of an individual's actual true greed at its fullest potential. Okay. And so therefore, what does that mean? That means he's in it for himself. He doesn't care what they're doing. It doesn't serve him at that point. Honestly, Al could have even, or Ed could have even said, hey, you know, these guys actually did what you're asking for. And he he alluded to it, but I don't think he outright said it. If he said that, that might have put greed on a completely different path. So I don't think he really wanted anything truly outrageous and wasn't being unreasonable. Yes, the whole I have your brother, but I the trade off yeah, for him is pretty is pretty light. He did kind of start with a kidnapping instead of just being yeah. like, Hey, check this out, what's going on? I'm I'm not saying he did it the right <laughs> way, but I'm saying the exchange of I have your brother and I want you to kill these people and give me the secrets to the philosophers and I said, Can you just tell me how how your brother happened? This was really all just to get your attention. And in the most effective way I could come up with, because I am literally a character flaw embodied. <laughs> I am a human foible embodied. But, so you know, you help me out, I give him back. Transitioning into wanna... final thoughts. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chuck. Oh, that was, that was, that was it. it was just, my biggest issue with all of this was like, None of this had to be – there's a whole fallout from this that could have been avoided entirely. Mm. In fact, I would say the whole course of the show would have drastically changed because of the fallout of this interaction. I feel like this show has science, has magic, has all sorts of things, but I feel like it's just the – Long, long movie of the overprotective brother. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they're not entirely wrong. There's, there's something about like this is just a show about uh, family relationships. Watching, yeah, yeah kind of watching the way that um, Ed the the fights that Ed has, and just like. I kind of love the idea that he is actually, like, the book smart one, not the street smart one, but he's just, like, stubborn and hot-headed. And, mm -hmm. like, that's why he got good at fighting, it's just because he got into so many fights, and that's why he just, like... Like, the the whole thing about, like... It, it, it even hit me when they were, like, years of training to get, like, good enough at alchemy and even fighting and stuff, and yet they still, like... Over the course of years, they never really got over their mom. And, like, you never really get over something like that. But at some point, you do get used to, like, 
moving on your day to day with that pain like that sometimes that's the best you can hope for with like recovering from grief or whatever but like like no like they still do it and at some point getting their hands on the philosopher's stone is still to get their body back so they can be normal and then they would probably would try to like go back to that same plan like it it's there's something so just like hard-headed that it's just like this is a dude who's so stubborn that it's um pushing forward plot points and i kind of and oh. having having lost a parent in the last few years i can honestly say i never once considered the ah but what if back from the dead because while yes the pain was very strong and real and i get you know, obviously fictional thing this is a thing that crosses everyone's mind i just want my my parent back because the typically most people love their parents. I, you know, as I say, this this is definitely one of those. I, I get their little kids. I was like, man, thank God we don't have magic science in this world. <laughs> you you know how many quote unquote moms or ab- mama mom abominations abominations <laughs> and baby abominations would be just running around out there. You know how many houses are getting burned down because of that. Oh, I double checked that by the way. The house burning down was when they left. It wasn't when they, okay. Like that and was just a symbolic thing they did. They're like, "Okay, we are done here. We are like moving scorched away." Earth. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. Uh and fuck our dad wherever he is. He doesn't have a house anymore. <laughs> As they walk away, Goose's dad. That ever got explained? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to say, in episode one, we saw a very mysterious set of eyes. Is this the guy who's in the intro? The glasses? Yeah. No! Oh, right, the eyes. Yeah, yeah, I was super confused oh, yeah, yeah, by yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, Joe you, you're with me on why, I, why I'm saying no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, no. And that's not me being coy or silly or... Being like, no, haha, actually, he is him. No, it's not their father. It's funny, though. He shows up at Pinocchio's house. He's like, uh, where's my house? (laughs) Yeah, he looks good for his age. I'll say that. Um, I had a thought. Where did it go? Right over there. Oh, right. There it is. Uh, Hey, how come uh, they had that suit of armor in their basement? <laughs> Actually, that was in my notes. You know, Al, Al, or Ed Bond's Al to, you know, the suit of armor that just casually is owned. Yeah. Well, so, like, A, why does this family in rural whatever have that? Which, considering all of the books that the because dad had the on alchemy. An academic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like, the the dad is up to some some nasty stuff, I have to assume at this point. Like, he is he is also dabbling in something that people don't like him to be dabbling maybe, in. Maybe um, it's like a family heirloom. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, also, like, nobody else currently in the world is using any armor like this. Like we, in episode, in the fifth lab, we do see two other examples of, I guess they're armors, but they don't even match. They're more like samurai style. Yeah. That's the thing. Like they, they don't match what was going on. And like, you know, 
we're state alchemists, so we're constantly, you know, we're militarized police. We, we're constantly, you know, with, like, the high end of the army. And I don't see anybody using, you know, armor suits like that going in. Like, because, like, you know, you, you get it even when you talk about, like, future, like, heavy ballistics kind of outfits. You end up looking like a Jinro, and that's just another <laughs> form of armor. Um, yeah. But, like... I don't know where this suit of armor came from or why they have it, but, like... History. <laughs> that's the thing. The history of... Like, so they're doing this magic circle raising the dead thing, and I'm going, like, man, I want to know the history of how that armor got into this basement. That is a way more interesting <laughs> story to me at that moment. I mean... You could... You could watch the show. It... <clears throat> I could. Why would I do you that, could. though? I, I mean, you could Wikipedia the show. <laughs> oh, there we go. I mean, you're not going to get the exact specific answer, but you'll get kind of a reasonable answer. Because the, the fair there, point. There is an answer. Yeah, there, there is an answer, and I don't believe the armor itself was actually specifically unique or important unto itself. But there That's is a explain why reason. they only use armor. Well, you know, you only use armor before you have technology. Mm -hmm. That's my question, is you see cybernetic arms and legs and such. Well, steampunk. It's mechanical, yes. yeah, like... Why wouldn't you use that as your person uh, instead of a suit of armor? Uh, Again, things evolve. Yeah. Things yeah. change over time, Bob. So yeah, your first of time. First thought is suit of armor, not, yes. not metal man. Bob, there's a lot of questions that are answered that I'm trying really hard out of respect to Joe not to answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, after the 2003 TV series, uh, there was an animated movie called Conqueror of Shambhala that came out. Um, and then after Brotherhood, there was a movie called The Sacred Star of Milos that came out. And then there were three live-action Full Metal Alchemist movies. What are you talking about? They never made that live-action <laughs> Cowboy Bebop. What are you talking about? Um, it was on Netflix at one point. I don't know if it's still there. Or They're it's all three are currently on Netflix. All three are there? Oh, my God. Listen, these these are all so bad that I'm very worried about the live-action Yu Yu Hakusho that's coming. I Yeah, no, any of the live... This is a thing that they do in Japan that I don't understand, but they make live-action movies of anime series. And yeah. I, I don't get it. They yeah. also make stage musicals of it, and I don't get it. Like, they did they not see the terrible Dragon Ball Evolution that was made, or the terrible oh Death Note that was made by Americans <laughs> trying to make it live action? Did you ever see the PSP game based on the live action Dragon Ball movie? It was bad. I, oh, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know that existed, but I'm also tragically unsurprised that it existed. <laughs> we are all now dumber for knowing that. Uh, there are also several like OVAs and stuff that came out. Yeah. So there's a lot of Full Metal Alchemist content out there. Full metal merchandising. Also, any Critical Role fans may or may not know that uh, Travis Willingham voices Colonel Mustang and Laura Bailey voices Lust 
in this show. I bet Bob can't. Well, Fun that's right. Fact. Bob knows which one's lust now. <laughs> the big booby one. <laughs> so, okay. We're going to come to the point of the show where I say, so here's some of the points I wanted to bring up because Nick and Joe, you both kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. There are some things that the 2003 FMA did that I honestly appreciated more than what actually came to be in proper FMA, the manga slash FMA Brotherhood. Seriously, just various story plot lines, or not story plot lines, but like character lines that I thought were very interesting. Definitely, again, warrant me looking back and really reanalyzing that and seeing if my memory of them matches up. But I feel they were more interesting than some of the ones we got because some characters just kind of get dropped off after a while. Whereas in the 2003, they were actually quite relevant. Well, it's like, it's a really interesting case because you have, um, like, adapting a manga isn't anything new. And in most cases, if it's not finished, they'll do filler episodes until there's more to adapt. Um, but in this case, they were like, uh, I mean, I forgot who suggested it, but like, Arakawa was on board, like, no, go ahead, make your own ending for it. So you get to see what, like, people were speculating about with mm. the beginning of what, like, working with the bits that they had from the beginning. Right. Which is super interesting. Yeah, because, again, seeing seeing what more or less was meant to happen versus what was thought would happen was such a... such a big dovetail yeah. away from each other. You, you never there... get it both ways with shows. Yeah. You, you either get the manga is completed so we can com- make the whole anime, or we're gonna make shit up and you're gonna have to deal with it because this is all that's gonna exist. Yeah, I mean, I mean, arguably, we, we very much right now live in an era where we're kind of getting that, because yeah. I will I will keep coming back to Trigun Stampede does a lot of things very well, and I think learned from the some of the failings of Brotherhood that some of the things it gets critiqued on. And it's not really the manga, it's not really the original anime, but it's its own thing. But I would also say I don't think it is I don't think it would be as good as it is if Brotherhood, and I don't think it would exist if Brotherhood hadn't happened. Yeah, and, like, also in that case, like, so much time has passed that it's not really for the original generation for when it came out. It's for a new audience. Whereas this was only a few years later. They're like, no, we're just doing it again. (laughs) And to be fair, I didn't take that into consideration, but you're right. And I would almost say it would be well served for many reasons uh, if maybe a few more years from now not right now. Maybe they re-re-revisited FMA. You just want them to revisit everything. There's, well, okay, so here's, okay, <laughs> here's why I want them to revisit FMA. The, the, the elephant in the room discussed at the beginning of this series, or sure. series, this episode, I don't want to have to deal with that if I say like, oh yeah, I watched this and I enjoyed it, because I get why people have problems with it. 
and I respect that. I agree, I personally agree with it. That's what part of the reason I haven't come back to it either. It's like mm, I'm having difficulty separating the art from one of the voice artists. Yeah, no, I don't know. I've always been really good at like separating uh, media from its creators and stuff. So, and for me, that's really weird because I typically am able to do that. But for this, for some reason, maybe it's because this is the lead character we're talking about. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's so hard for me. But it's one of those, like, I don't want to, I don't want to contribute to this personally. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if we, if some, that's really my whole reason for revisiting it. It's like, give, give me a way to not have to have this conflict. <laughs> hmm. Otherwise, I don't care if they ever revisit it, frankly. I think Brotherhood, otherwise, it was fine the way it was. My my critiques about the, ah, ha, ha, we're going to keep doing the super deformed, ha, 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 isn't it funny, aside. It was fine the way it was. It was more or less as long as it needed to be. And it did a fine job telling the story it did. But those are my thoughts. And are more... Okay, show. Personally, and this is my taste, would have put episode two as either episode one mm-hmm. or episode five. Because mm-hmm. it, it just seemed like it's a really cool first episode. And bang, this is how they are made. And it's not jarring. It makes sense. But... It it does feel more like um, a uh, exposition dump than like a revealing of plot elements. Mm-hmm. Another better way they could have done that is just kind of slow drip fed it over the period over several episodes, because it's not a story that had to necessarily be told in one episode, especially for being made for people, an audience that already was familiar with it. It could have been better served. Mm. Overall, the show is just me. It was, how do you want to put it? it? It's at the very top of my expectations of anime. Did nothing to thwart what my preconceived notions are. It, mm. did, a do, it did a very good job of what it was. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very much a serviceable show, is what I'm kind of taking away from what you're saying. I would recommend checking out more of it on your own, at least just a little more around the beginning, um, to get more of a feel of like how hard it goes with some things. But um, mm. yeah, yeah. Without without giving anything away, it it does. It is not afraid to tackle tough subjects. And I will pursue other episodes outside of the shows I'm watching right now, which I didn't actually watch anything since last talking. (laughs) I'm sorry with that. You knew what I was going to (laughs) ask. But I would put this, if or to rank it, Seven out of ten. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's just not what I've seen so far. It's not great. 
Fair. Enjoy it. It's just would blend in with other anime for me. I could see that. Yeah, like I'm if I'm if I'm quiet, it's because I am looking at like episode comparisons, and like I I think I'm still of the um the opinion that as far as like starting goes, I think the 2003 series is better. Like it it is more engaging and less like hey we're dumping a lot of these plot points out here. Um, I hear a lot of passion from Chuck and Joe, so I know that you guys know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm willing to watch more episodes. But a chance to learn. If I may, and if you're able to find it, I would highly encourage personally the way I, I don't know if this is the same way Joe experienced it, but the way I experienced it, which was, oh, there's this new show, Full Metal Alchemist. In 2003, I highly recommend watching that first and then going into Brotherhood. But you're not, you don't have to. Everything you need to know is more or less there in Brotherhood. Hmm. I just, what I'm seeing, it basically, um, was it episode eight where they go to Lab Five? Yes. So basically, um, that is about where the stories start to diverge, is what I'm seeing. Um, But in the 2003 series, that takes about 20 episodes to get to that fight with the other armors. Um, Like I said, like, you you get more time with characters and it, like, kind of build up to the bigger stuff later on. Well, uh, what's his name? Uh, Yoki that was there that sold out Scar at the camp. You get his whole story in FMA. You do not get that here. You get, like, a very high-level overview, and that's it. It's literally, this happened off-screen, and he, it was very important to him, but nobody else. And, but, but I, like, I'm definitely getting a feeling that, like, I think they took a little more time and set up a, again, I'm kind of just guessing here, but, like, it seems like they've, set up a better pacing in the 2003 series and then by the time we get there and and you go to brotherhood since brotherhood is already like midstream at that point i bet um you can sort of you know pick up pick up everything you need to know and have like a better foundation with it and then get into some of the more interesting uh later on elements that the the story is actually looking to address what's that like i i I think that's what I want to do. I think being able to do it that way, I will be able to like watch and enjoy the show without grinding my teeth. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, there's. I don't know why the show became such a um, like like yeah, like around high school, it was just so everywhere. Like, did they did they make a deal with Suncoast or something like? Or was it just a show of the what? I I don't know. Oh, it's what two thousand three and two thousand thirteen? You said or sixteen? It's a new one, Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Uh, two thousand nine. Two thousand three, two thousand nine. Yeah. Imagine being a kid in middle school, seeing your older brother watching this cool show called Full Metal Alchemist. Somehow through, whatever mean. <laughs> and then finding out that you can watch it later as Brotherhood. 
this is so cool. I remember when my brother was watching this, but this is so much better because you have discovered something. Sure, but, like, there's anime coming out all of the time, and I'm just trying to figure out, like, or trying to remember maybe, like, what it was about this that, you know what? Uh, anime club. <laughs> that was how we got introduced to other stuff, basically. If That and Toonami. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, Toonami. Honestly, that that's kind of your answer. Yeah, that's yeah, that's so. why we have it in the, the late night Toonami slash Adult Swim tier <laughs> here on our, yeah. our, our mega list. Because right. I was going to say, I was graduated from high school when uh, FMA hit Adult Swim. The uh, 2003 FMA hit Adult Swim. <clears throat> and I can tell you, it wasn't a school club that did it, but like a buddy of mine I worked with at the restaurant I was working at at the time, who is also the very reason I knew or learned about Helsing, the original anime. Um <laughs> So he and I would talk about that and like a couple other colleagues I worked with and that's that's how it started. It was just like your your little group of anime fans were watching the only public available broadcast yeah. anime shows. Yeah. There and, wasn't a way to like get any of the more obscure stuff that was like only out in Japan unless you mm-hmm. had mega connections. Un- yeah. Unless you had an uncle who was in the anime clubs, like in the eighties, and yeah. used to you know yeah. literally send VHS tapes of recorded off air back and forth across the the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, um, show about a fourteen year old angsty uh, badass fighter, popular in middle schools. Really, you don't I mean, say. Shonen, yeah. shonen. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. You know what? I I, I think they I'm putting gave it together. All the shows. Yeah, um, it, it was definitely a, it, it knew its target audience, and it came in at the right time. You know, especially in America, for the right audience it was looking for to kind of seed itself in as this classic. To the in, by by way of perception. Yeah, like like even looking at it today, like it, you know, it's it's just like you're saying it's it's fine, it's perfectly fine. Um. I think if it's a touchstone, it is more just because, like, in terms of availability, it had popularity, and that's why it's a cultural touchstone, not necessarily for any, like, notable inherent things about it. It just, like... Also, those those military uniforms were real easy to cosplay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. Prince <laughs> Edward? Who's the prince who did the thing? What? Alright, don't worry about it. UK <laughs> people are laughing hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know who you're referring to. I just can't, don't know if I have the right name, so I'm gonna... It's Harry? Oh, anyway. yeah. yeah I, I think you're right. I think it is Harry. Okay. Anyway, speaking about blending into other anime, um, where do you think this opening theme fits in in our rankings? Oh, good lord. I was waiting <laughs> for this. I had forgotten this opening. I don't. So it was it was such a slow start, and I'm like, oh, is this how it's gonna be? Then the beat drops. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I just start bobbing my head. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. Then it slows down. I'm like, okay. Then it comes back, and I'm like, so I'm gonna put this at three. Really Ooh. above so Trigun. To- I mean, yeah, I, I agree is- with him on that actually. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I enjoyed this 
listen to it on the way home from my parents thinking I need to get home. I don't think FMA, with the exception of maybe one, of because they have multiple openings throughout the series, sure. being 60, 60 plus episodes. I don't, there's like maybe one I really didn't care for, but because it was so, so much tonally, by comparison, relaxed or softer in its presentation, it didn't have a a good, what I would call a heavy beat drop. And it felt just more kind of general pop than anything. And it's not bad, it just wasn't for me, but I don't think this show has a bad opening. Honestly, just like to me, it felt very anime. Um, but but I mean that yes. in I mean that in sense of like every once in a while I will watch just like what some anime from the current season or whatever, and just like when you like when we look at the the other things up here with like uh, through the night from Outlaw Star, Tank from Cowboy Bebop, and even HT from Trigun, like. Those are all songs that stick out from the usual, like, anime opening song fare. This one is just, like, it just sounds like one of those. Which, I, I think, again, it's like a 7 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it is... It, it, That's it, anime. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, no, it's being a show. It's fine, yeah. To be fair, though, <clears throat> considering yeah. where I see it in our list... To be fair. To be fair. Um, where I see it on our list, and then with the exception of maybe Trigun, looking at everything beneath it, yeah, I feel three is right because yes, it is very much what I would call the progenitor of the standard anime intro, mm. or what could be typified as a standard anime intro. This was that archetype. This was the not necessarily the prototype, but version one, and as such. It's going to sound like that because that's what everyone else is trying to emulate because it is popular. It was the big popular one and still is. Yeah. I they say it didn't say Big O 17 times. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Big O and I'm just like, he's better than Big, Big o. o. Yeah, it was definitely, honestly, I still think... Uh, Smile Bomb was better than Big O, but I was <laughs> I was in the minority on that one. I mean, I I also like Smile Bomb, but this isn't okay, our list. Bob. This is this is rankings this according is to Bob. Bob. That's the label on the uh, list, and so we're gonna hey, you learn. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 command enough of this show. Yes, true. <laughs> Speaking um, of commanding, uh, okay. Well, I was gonna say, I think unless anyone else says something, where I'm forgetting a segment. Do we, do we need to command Bob to make another selection? Um, well, uh, you said you didn't get a chance to watch anything, uh, and there was no uh, Android waifu to rank in this show, so yeah, I think it's about that time. I mean, we could just do the waifu rank if we really run into this as being an issue. <laughs> no, there's too many good ones in yes. this show. Yes, Andrew, is... Android waifu versus and songs are, are pretty good. Is... <laughs> Al, a no. cyborg. <laughs> Get out! 
No, because there's nothing electric no about him meat. except his personality there. I, and no, I, I don't no want to think about a 12-year-old boy as a waifu. That, too. <laughs> but he's a person. He has personhood. He is people. And his body no has been replaced with synthetic parts, but that still compromise or uh, co- compose his body. He Cybernetic has no, would imply the existence of some organic material. He has no meat. He has no electricity. No, he is not a cyborg. The, he, is, he is the perfect vegan option. The soul-bonding sigil is drawn in blood. If we consider blood as a subcategory of meat, but it no, is not there is a meaty blood. component. I don't. It is not his blood, therefore it's not part of Al. Hey, I routinely donate blood. It's okay if you don't have homemade store-bought, it's fine. I'm not saying it isn't, but it is not in Al. It is on what has become Al. And much like paint, I don't consider paint part of me if I get it on my hands. Oh, okay. Well, listen, hey. you, you come finger paint with me sometime and we'll see if you Great to that. disagree. <laughs> All right, so, so yeah. three shows left in the late night tsunami tier. We have, do cyborgs dream of existential philosophical conundrums? Speaking of cyborgs. We have, listen, growing up was hard enough before this space pirate robot sparted out of my forehead. And we have, this ain't no Zaku boy. This ain't no Zaku boy. Mmm. You know what, just because of the way you said Zaku boy, we'll go with that. Yeah! <laughs> Okay. Well, I didn't mean to give it the hard sale, but all right. Hey, Bob. Uh, we're going to get uh, more Gundam. Yeah, you ready for more Gundam? Oh, hopefully they aren't uh, so uh, international. I mean, arguably, space is a nation. Various countries in the world are international. By are we going to, where you're are from. We going to the Sombrero planet? No, oh no, there are no extra planets in this. Uh but I, I hope you like, you know, space-based initiated Vietnam Korea, Korea analog. Oh, okay. Because... So, yeah, so uh, we are going to be watching Gundam colon the 08th MS team. Um, and I, I will, uh, I'll, I feel like I need to give that background. We have already watched G Gundam. Uh, G Gundam was a sort of Gundam alternate universe where uh, it is more like super robots and big soap opera and all of that. Point um, of order, it was the first alternate Gundam true. universe. Um, but O8th MS Team takes place in the, like, main canon Gundam yeah. universe where it is extremely realistic. Like, this is, like, what... Like, this is, like, you know, if we were making human-shaped tanks um kind of in a world that we know and and using um like like it is very relatable it is it is not it the fact it's not magic science it actually has kind of a hard science to it yeah there's there's not the fantasy elements they never shrink wrap a horse um no horses i I didn't say no horses they're just you know all natural yeah okay okay in this case, a horse is just a horse. Of course, of course. Of course. Um, the genres for this show are listed as military science fiction, drama, and hard science fiction. Oh. Yeah, okay. and 
and honestly, like the fiction, that's the thing. I, I feel like this is the least fictional of kind this... of of all the gun. Like, I think this is also yeah. one of the ones where they spend the least time in space. Like, uh, like my memory of the show is yeah. there's a lot of time, like in jungles. And, yeah. and even on foot, you know? So, so point of order, mo- uh, at least half of the original Gundam and most Gundam series is in space. Just space, period. Yeah. Tim Curry says space. <laughs> this is every- people coming from space to fight the in- the war on Earth to drive off the invaders from space. Yeah, and like, what, what, like, like that's the thing. Like, this is a side story. Can you tell I like this show and I'm excited about it and I already want to talk about it? I mean, you're beating um, me to all the points I would love to discuss, so yeah. Um, but just, like, this is a side story, so, like, this is about, like, even more, like, just, like, boots-on-the-ground kind of grunts. It is not necessarily about, like, the main hero. Like, this is, like... um, These are the no-name red shirts. These... Mm-hmm. I was going to say, these are, like... Hey, you know the three guys from Cowboy Bebop always playing cards at the table? <laughs> this is kind of like, what if we followed them for a show in Gundam? Except, to, to give you a more clear point, Bob, the original uh, Gundam series takes place over the course of a year. This takes place, it's not just a side story, it's a side story within that time frame. Yeah, like this takes, what, a week, maybe? A month? <sighs> a couple months. Yeah, but it's 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 cool and is is going to be like there is less disbelief you need to suspend. I think is what I'm getting to. Yeah, so like like basically the last gun, like trying to compare it to the last Gundam is they are vastly different beasts. They, they flip. The only thing that's the same between them is humanoid robots that people get inside and and use to fight. Like that one was basically the Olympics of fighting. The the um the Kumite Olympics. This one is like no, this is like war and shit. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. Oh, I can't wait. Chelsea, it should be good. Definitely seem very um, impotent. It sounds like a very much a transition. Yeah, this is this is gonna be cool. I think this is gonna be cool. Um, all right. Anybody else have uh? Anything to share before we call it uh, a day? Uh, nope. I'm good. Yeah. I really like this show. Go read the manga. <laughs> All right. The, we've been at this for three hours, so I think it's about time that we close it up. We'll see what I can uh, edit it down to. And uh, until next time, thank you for joining us, everybody. Have a good day. Watch anime. <laughs> no way, <wait>, don't! <laughs> <laughs>
list? Oh, wait, no, I do have one, like, joke thing I was going to say that I forgot about. Okay. Um, in addition to everyone memorizing the list of human ingredients, the other thing is that you can always tell a Full Metal Alchemist fan because if if you you greet them by saying Full Metal Alchemist, they will reply with Full Metal Alchemist in a slightly different tone. Also, oh my god, yeah. Which is also to that point about the commercial breaks. <laughs> there's also the uh, recognition of Full Metal Alchemist fans by uh, October third every year. Yup. Yeah, we didn't see that in these episodes, did we? Yeah. It comes I, I, up in one of the episodes between what we saw because uh, it's when the pocket watch gets stolen. Oh, right. okay. There's a hint of it in the opening, too. but Right. Yeah. 